Blog Talk Radio. Radio. Now, the practice of non-doing, that's non-doing, is essential to life. And this philosophy 
teaches you how to develop a natural state of consciousness, not bound by thought or preconceived limitations. Experienced by the great artists, athletes, musicians, and writers, this heightened state of consciousness is referred to as being in the zone, which is where intelligent spontaneity and effortless action flourish. When you practice non-doing, you allow yourself to approach life with a mastery of acceptance, releasing diluted beliefs of how to achieve success and empowering you to accomplish all that you desire. This is your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. My guest, Jason Gregory, is a teacher and international speaker specializing in the fields of Eastern and Western philosophy, comparative religion, metaphysics, and ancient cultures. He is the author of The Science and Practice of Humility, Enlightenment Now, Fasting the Mind, and our topic for discussion, Effortless Living. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Thank you for taking time to join us yet again here at Energy Awareness Radio. You were just here in January, so how are you being? (laughs) I'm good, T. Thank you for having me back on. I I always enjoy our conversations, and I'm sure it's going to be enlightening today. I think it will be. This is a very different book, you know, Effortless Living, and it's all about the practice of non-doing, which, when it is practiced, not only adds to life, but actually brings forth to us what we truly desire, which is kind of counterintuitive. People don't believe that. But I think your book shows that in many, many ways. How was it that you came to write this particular book? Well, I've been studying uh, Taoist philosophy for a long time, and I've been inspired by Lao Tzu for, you know, a good portion of my life. So, I just, when I was living um, in Asia for for going on eight years, I I just I basically practiced this way of living as a as a lifestyle, and and just my life would naturally have this, you know, this sort of flow to it, this sort of. Um, you know this effortlessness to it where things would open up that had to open up and you know doors would close that had to close but there was there was not sort of an attachment to the way life was um the life that was leaving me and the life that I was about to live so this is sort of this a natural process for me uh writing this book and you know I've always been fascinated about how you know in the Tao Te Ching they, they talk about how you know everything gets done by not doing anything you know everything is done you know when, it, when it's not done so i thought this was fascinating and and you can see this in, in in people's lives and you can see this in even in your own life t that you know when you do sort of take your foot off the accelerator and you just let sometimes life you know work itself out for you instead of you trying to control and work and and guide your life you know there's there's actually sort of this natural uh, order to your life that you know a lot of us don't see in the modern world because we're so busy in, in doing 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 and trying to control that we lose sight of you know where our actual life is headed well and that's the whole thing i think that it it is fascinating but it's also that people 
are doing so much. They don't take time to be aware. And it's in that awareness when you notice what is happening and then it hits you, well, wait, I didn't have to do anything for that to happen. I just allowed it to happen and it, it came forth. And I think at this time we're seeing things manifest, if I can use that term, much more quickly even though people are walking around in a state of overwhelm, when they do see the awareness and they, they have that aha moment, they do allow and things all of a sudden start happening much more quickly than I think they have in the past. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I definitely have. I, yeah, I've noticed that with, with a lot of people. And, you know, it's um, there is there is sort of, a, a I guess, a deeper awareness starting to happen with you know, some people around the world and you, know, you just have to be observant of your own life. And this is what I always tell people. They say, how do I get, how do I get a sense of this? Um, and it's just, just be observant in your own life. Like you might feel overwhelmed, but what happens in your life, things usually work out and people do start to recognize this. Um, they might have different ways of um, trying to interpret it, but, you know, I think Lao Tzu's version of interpretation and, and the way of understanding the way that the Tao moves in your life is a very good interpretation and one that probably if people can understand even better will begin to trust their lives even more as opposed to, you know, fighting their, their certain circumstances they have in their life. Mm, I agree. I think that, yeah, it does take that awareness and to see it in order to put it into practice, if you will. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Mm. Your book reaches so many different, it, it talks about so many different I don't know what to call these. They're not really religions, but you know, I've heard of Confucianism, Taoism, Hindu principles, but I was unfamiliar with, and I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce this properly. Is it Wu Wei? <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with that, and you know, just so that we're all aware, because I'm going to presume others are just as unfamiliar as I am. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just you know naive or something. But would you explain that Chinese concept and and how to pronounce it as well? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not naive, T. You're not naive. You're far from it. Um, the, the the way you pronounce it is actually Wu Wei, and yeah, so Wu oh. Wei. So it's usually yeah, so like O O O, but that's how, that, that's how they spell it. W uh, E W U, sorry, dash W E I. So it's Wu Wei, and Wu Wei is basically a concept in Taoism. Uh, it's actually it does say Taoism with a T, but it's actually pronounced Taoism. Should be with a D. Okay. Um, and and Uwe is basically a, a concept in in Taoism. And, and like you said, it's not really a religion. It's kind of a, more of a, a lifestyle or a way of life. Uh, uh, <clears throat> and and Uwe is is the um, it can be translated as non-doing or, or no force, effortless action, or even um, intelligent spontaneity. So. The, the original sort of um, translation is non-doing, um, and that's from the great Taoist master Lao Tzu. So we're going back probably 2,500 years ago. And the, the idea of Uwe is trying to find Uwe uh, in your life and, and, and live by that sort of that, that practice where um, if, we can, if we can be in sort of uh, non-doing, uh, sort of effortlessness more so, our life has a way of working itself out. Meaning like, for example, when we use force or when we use control, we often, you know, inevitably uh, encounter obstacles in our life and sometimes we suffer as a result. 
But when when you think of Uwe, think of it in this way: like if you put a key into a door, when you go to quickly turn the key, um, you are met with resistance, you're met with force. But if you just jiggle it, you just jiggle it very nicely, the door opens effortlessly. And that's kind of the psychological state that Lao Tzu was talking about and, and Taoist thought of trying to get us to. It's, it's to get to that sort of that, that loosened psychological state where um, life is very effortless for us. And there's, diff- there's so many ways to interpret this because, you know, for example, Zhuangzi, one of the other great uh, Taoist sages, he's got many uh, stories, like skill stories, for example. And there's a story of, of Butcher Ding or, or Kup Ding. And in that story, um, a lord, Lord Wenwei, so one of the rulers of the time back in the Warring States period of China, came to see him. And 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 Butcher Ding just he he slices and dices. It's it's, it's a gruesome story in some sense, but slices and dices <laughs> this this ox up, this ox up so effortlessly, and like it, it's met with no resistance. So Lord Wenwei goes up to Butcher Ding and says, you know, wow, you must you know, how do you do this? Like this is like like an art form. And and Butcher Ding just kind of kind of says to him that, you know, I let you know after three years of training and, and so forth and so on, you know. I, I was met with resistance, but it was after I, you know, sort of ingrained the skill and, and sort of let go. I just let spirit move through me. I let the Tao move move through me, and um, the the ox just falls apart effortlessly. And I and I guide the blade between the 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 bones and don't hit a ligament and, and all of these things. And 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 after 19 years, I haven't had to sharpen my blade. Now, this is kind of a metaphor for the how we live our life, so how to be skillful in life. So Uwe can also be, in this sense, as a, as a strategy because you, you sort of you live your life in an effortless manner to move skillfully through life without meeting resistance. So that's also another beautiful way to look at uh, Uwe as well. But you can only really get there if you get this sort of, as I first said, this, this loosened, kind of not stuck psychological state where, you know, often... Um, in the modern world and you know forever you uh, in general people will take in ideas of who they are or the conditioning of who they are and this kind of gets them stuck in certain situations because because their mind is not has not sort of loosened its grip on those on that so socialization so you know Lao Tzu is kind of saying get rid of the socialization loosen your mind and and walk effortlessly through life and that makes complete sense. I mean, this is, to me, as I was reading through your book, it is an art. You do need to practice it. And it is, in, in some respect or to some degree, almost like a meditative practice. Or maybe I should say there are tools that will help you be there, one of which could be meditation to help you live in this way, to help you live non-doing. And I think that once you do it, maybe for the first time or you know, it might take a few times to see it actually play out in certain instances, then it becomes more, not rote, but more natural for you to mm. be in that state. Does that make sense? Does that, am I, am I articulating yeah. this no, well? You're, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. T. It, it does take. It, it can take a little time for some people because you know we we all have to be mindful that we've been trained in an opposite direction. So we've been trained that you become successful 
or you do anything in life through doing, through overdoing, through force, through control. This is almost in all cultures how, how we've been trained. And and like you said at, at the beginning of the broadcast, like it's kind of counterintuitive, this sort of way of life. But um, there might you might need some sort of training to begin with to, to start to see uh, the fruit of your, your of this way of life. So meditation obviously is a great beginning because you can at least start to understand your mind a little bit and kind of loosen its grip on the sense of doing, overdoing and control and and start to just let life be as it will. And and so this it comes down to obviously that we need to sort of trust as opposed to trying to control it. And this is one of the uh, main components in my book and uh, and one of the main components within Taoist thought. So there is that that underlying trust that we need to develop and, and it sort of can't happen just by saying, look, I trust. So you have to sort of, in a sense, transform yourself to understand that life doesn't really, um, life doesn't always move the way that you think it should for yourself. It'll just move the way it should to benefit you um, but what you think benefits you is not always what you what you think is best for, best for yourself. So, you know, we have to get out of all of those sort of incorrect perceptions of of the way that the world is. And yeah, so training is definitely important. It's it's about loosening that grip in the mind, meditation, um, and even like if we look at the skill story I mentioned, Butcher Ding. Butcher Ding, you have to be mindful. He went through three years of training to move effortlessly. So there is that component, and that, and that also comes down to like if we look at, say, for, for example, if we look at an athlete, an, an athlete might, um, in the beginning, they're not, they're not so good at their craft. It takes years and years of sort of grinding away, um, a little, uh, so obviously some effort for them to be effortless. So, you know, that's kind of a paradox in itself, which I, which I also talk about in the book. Yes. And, you know, it takes a ballerina a long time to make it look effortless. You can't just get up and do that. You know, even yoga. I mean, I've been practicing yoga for decades and, you know, it's it's to a point where it's not it's not a lot of effort, but you continue the practice because of what it does for your life and what it how it allows you to be off of the mat. And I think that's important. So when you're when you are doing anything that is training in that way, it will flow over into the rest of your life, and it can't help but help you to be in that in that zone, to be in that non-doing. It's funny because I said to someone, oh, this book is all about non-doing, and he said, oh, I can do that. And I said, no, really, you can't. And he said, no, I'm good at it. And I said, no, you stink at it. You really do stink at it. And he was like, <laughs> but I don't do a lot. And I said, that's the point. You don't do a lot at all, so you're not doing the non-doing. And he, it took a while, but I got mm. through to him. <laughs> but you're exactly. right when you say, you know, life doesn't always go the way you plan. And sometimes the universe you know, throws us, most times actually, the universe throws us something and says, oh, no, that, sweetie, that's not how it's going to go. And the universe may be amused, but I am not. And, you know, <laughs> you have to go along with that as well. So it really stops you from being reactionary too. Yes, yeah, it does. It does. It really does stop you from being reactionary because, <laughs> well, well, you know, if you're observant in your life and, and you see that which way life is, is, is moving you, and you understand that that deeper part of it, 
and you understand that you know it's it's kind it is the best thing for you in that in that moment it's probably not the best thing for you but um mm-hmm. when you upon self upon self reflection you can see that you know maybe that circumstance was the best thing for me and you know some people even take this even further you know like they like if they if you talk about the way every everyone in the, like a Taoist might say this and and it could be could be shocking but the reason that you and I are sitting here, T, everyone is listening on the show and everyone's doing what they do in the world now is because we had people like Genghis Khan, because we had people like Hitler and, and so forth and so mm-hmm. on. So what, 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 they, what they mean by that is if we didn't have those people, as, as, as terrible as it was, we wouldn't be where we are now. So, we've, so what they're saying is that in that moment, um, it was terrible, but upon self-reflection, things moved out from that from that state and and you know we learned we 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 learned a lot from that and and we grew and now we are where we are um so a Taoist would uh would say that they don't see things as inherently uh good or evil but um they're things that we grow out of so you know that there's a very sort of like a a nature it's quite it's more of a nature philosophy that you know humans are are intrinsic in nature and things grow out of that so um, they take it to that extent, so you need to sort of trust. Obviously, they would be against the actions of Adolf Hitler and Genghis Khan, but they would understand that even though that that happened, we're still going to be all right. We're going to move in a direction. We don't know where we're going, but things will be fine, and and we just need to trust that process, and and we won't slip into decay and and, and despair. So. And I agree wholeheartedly. I say that to people all the time. Hitler had to be here. You know, he had to do what he had to do so that we could learn and grow. I'm not condoning it at all. I'm just saying if any one of us had his puzzle piece, it's kind of like we all come in with a puzzle piece, and that's how you have to play it. That's the piece, and it has to fit so that the picture that none of us are privy to can take place. So whoever got that puzzle piece had to have it, and it would have to play it out exactly the same way. And people say, no, if it was me, I wouldn't have done it that way. And it's like, yeah, you would have because you wouldn't have been you. You would have been Hitler. You, it had to happen for <laughs> things to move forward the way that they did. I get that. People don't like it when I speak that way. But I understand it. And I think that the horrors in the world happen for a reason so that we can grow and live and learn from them. The problem is we don't learn quickly enough or it's very short term and we're back to our old ways again. And that's unfortunate, which means we're not learning. No. Yeah, well, that's right. Exactly. And I think that, you know, when we look at, you know, from a, from a universal standpoint, like even to even civ- civilization is still quite, quite young in its development. You know, mm-hmm. like um, I don't, I don't even know how many years we've had like, agrarian cultures so like settled settled uh cultures i don't even know how long it's been it's probably only been you know 10,000 years or something like that and so in in the the span of the the human life and the span of the universe that's not even a blink of the eye so you know i think that a lot of these situations that we're still you know we're still working out um and it's a matter of like, as, as the Taoists would say, it's not not a matter of good or evil. It's just it's a matter of just having these situations. You learn and you grow from it, and hopefully, you know, it doesn't happen again. But when it does, we'll still learn and grow from it. So, 
you know, you can't sort of come into this world and, and not think that there's going to be the odd psychopath. There will be, and you have to be mindful of that. And there are mm-hmm. going to be people who, there are going to be people who have a lust for power, a lust for, you know, greed. There, there is just going to be this in the world. And it, there was this before we even had settled uh, cultures. So, you know, there, there was this when we had tribal cultures. So we have to be mindful of that. And, and just learn and grow from it. And, and you, know, you know, life doesn't have a certain template that it's supposed to, that, um, it's supposed to equate to what we think is, is righteous and good in the world. Um, we have to sort of get out of that idea. I think, you know, as Taoists thought, pinpoint, the reason why there's evil in the world is because we put so much emphasis on good. You know, this should be this way. Everything's politically correct and blah, blah, blah. And then naturally you're going to get an uprising um, of somebody uh, uh, in rebellion to, to that sort of um, that sort of uh, template that we we've set out for life. Yeah, it, you know, and there is. Uh, don't even get me started on all that. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's just too much. It's just too. Sometimes the you know the pendulum swings too far one way, and then they try to bring it back, and it goes too far the other way. And there's a balance here, you know, and that's what we're trying to get to right now, I think. But this the the UA, it seems was, well, first of all, it seems to be the key aspect of it is is trust. You know, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily have that. Is that fair to say that that seems to be a key aspect? Trust. It definitely is. T trust is um, probably the main component of it because, you know, mm-hmm. I always say trust is the paradox of unity. Because if you don't, you know, people have sort of lofty claims that, you know, about oneness and this and that, but then you see their actions and they don't trust their life, and it's like how can you say that everything is one, but you don't trust life because you're a part of life. And if, and if life is one, then you should trust um, the nature of life. So that's, I always say trust is a paradox of unity because when, once you have it, then you have that sort of sense of oneness or that sense of unity deep within your consciousness. And, you know, this goes, this goes deep. Uh, if you, if you want to really practice a way in your life, you know, I, I, I write this, I, I talk about a story in, in effortless living uh, of a Norwegian adventurer ethnographer um, Thor Heidel and this was back in 1947 and he it's uh, the, he's like an adventurer so he went on this expedition called Kentiki and he made this this raft <laughs> he went to Peru so he was in Peru he had a small crew with him and he made this balsa wood raft and it was like you know just something that you and I can make down at the Creekside tea and and he said, look, we're going to drift out into the Pacific with no oars or nothing like that. And everyone was like, he's crazy, this guy. But, he's, <laughs> but he, he was like kind of a, just a Taoist at heart. He, he believed in that, you know, if we let life happen, then we kind of sink in with life as opposed to, to opposing it. So as opposed to, you know, trying to swim against the Tao, you just move with the Tao and, and you let life take you where it is and so he was using kind of a a physical expression to to give an example of this and so he made this balsa wood raft and everyone thought these guys going to be dead within a week or or even a day and so they they started drifting out into into the pacific ocean there there was always the problem of you know is will will the raft last and 
all of the the balsa wood logs and all that started to swell up, and it and it bound the the raft more more um, securely, so it was more durable to to you know handle the Pacific Ocean. And then once that was finished, then there was a, the concern of food. But you know, remarkably, what happened was every every morning there was flying fish on the deck of the of the raft that had landed on the raft. So the the problem of food was taken care of. And then so as he just continued to, to drift out into the ocean, an amazing thing happened was that he began the the raft began to sink in with the, the actual rhythms of of the of the ecosystem of the ocean. So he, he he and his crew and the raft obviously began to mimic kind of the intelligence of a of a dolphin. And so they just they moved with the ocean naturally. They didn't fight it. And then they ended up in a in a distant um, South Pacific island called tu- Tuamotos in in um, French Polynesia. So, you know, that's like that's like five roughly five thousand miles. He drifted into the Pacific and then hmm. he ended up there, and they were, they were fine. And like, I don't recommend anyone do that. But I think no. <laughs> for his 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 point is that you know. The, I can do this, meaning we we can do anything in our life, you know, if we have that element of trust, if we have that element of, look, I'm even though this situation, I feel like I want to give resistance to it, but I'm just going to move with it, and, and see where it goes, and and then you'll 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 notice that life has a natural way of moving you in the right direction, for your benefit and and for for actually the world's benefit. Sure, it's it, the trust is what you almost exude and what you feel from that is a knowing that it will, what you're looking for will occur. You have full faith. It's a knowing that this, this is going to be okay. And I think when people don't have the trust, it really is, it has, it has a lot to do with the ego. The ego gets in the way because the ego has to have an effect on all of this so that the ego gets in a, in the way of the trust because we want control. Well, it's, it's right to, yeah, it's, um, the ego is, is kind of the, it's what eclipses trust, you know, cause we're, we're brought up and we are socialized and we are trained to be this ego personality and this ego personality, um, I'm not going to say is kind of a defect, but the problem is, is we've overemployed for it, and because we've overemployed for that, mm-hmm. and we've overtrained it. We we discern between everything in life. We we discern everything. We cut everything up with our intellect to try and make sense of life, mm-hmm. and 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 sometimes to get the to to gain the bigger picture, you shouldn't cut life up. You should just let life be as it is. So um, the problem with our ego is because it's trained in that way. We're always in self-preservation. We're always in um, our own self-interest of what's best for us as a personality as opposed to letting go of that and just seeing where life is. So, you know, as you said, the ego, all it wants to do is control its situation, control its way of life and where it's going. And so that's completely against the way that nature is naturally headed. So, and we need to remember that... um, the ego is actually part of the, the, the more later developing part of our brain in, in the prefrontal cortex. That, that only developed very late in our development. So um, that's kind of a, a new, you know, a, a new adaptation to the human mind that, that we use and, and try to, you know, it naturally um, 
evolved because when we were in you know precarious situations like when we were in the the plains of africa and we had to avoid lions and tigers and and what have you you know we had to discern between what was <laughs> what was best for us and what, what what wasn't the problem is is we've taken that and we put it in social situations and we start to discern between good and evil right and wrong i don't like her i don't like him you know white man black man you know you, you go go on you can go on into all sorts of isms that have been created because of that tendency so it's naturally against the 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 natural flow of, of the of the way of the universe or the Tao, we could say yeah and the you know this has been around ue has been around for i don't know millennia probably it seems, you know, through reading your book, it's been here for a long time. And it, I, I don't know that it's really taught as much today, and it seems to have gotten lost. Did it get lost? How did it get lost? And why is it not taught as much today? Yeah, it did get lost. And, and I would say that one of the reasons why it got lost a lot is because of um, the, the cultural revolution, maybe in China as well, you know, as as we both know, China is much more Marxist. So um, when you're in a, a Marxist culture, you know, anything spiritual in nature is kind of like scoffed at or, or at least mm. only practiced amongst, you know, small communities. I mean, you're still going to go to China today and you're still going to see, obviously, a, a great sense of Taoism and, and even Buddhism in China, but they're still kind of just looked at as, as relics, you know, they looked at as, you know, that's just from the, from the past, you know, where we live in the modern world and Marxism is our philosophy. And so ideas of Uwe, which, you know, you still see the old, the older people practicing over in China, it, um, it's kind of become, um, especially since that cultural revolution, um, you know, not, not considered as a, as an efficient way of life. But I don't, I don't think that that's just, the reason why but that's i think that could be one reason because you know it does come from china and mm -hmm. you know, ironically most people most people who are teaching this now are outside of china so you know a lot of americans or or europeans and are teaching this and yeah I, i'd just say that um that's one reason and and also because i don't think that i think i think that because of the the rise of um materialist culture is one reason, another reason, because, you know, in materialism, it's all about, you know, um, achievement, what can we get for ourselves, um, um, what possessions do we have, and so forth and so on, where Uwe is kind of completely opposite of that, where it's not concerned about materialism, it's more concerned about uh, moving with life as it is, and if, you know, materialism comes along, if material uh, acquisition comes along in your life, you don't oppose it, you, you take it on board, but it's... I'd say that's one reason as well, and and again, it's it's also the overemployment of what I said before, the the ego and the prefrontal cortex. I think that one of the reasons we have lost a lot of it is because we live in such a, a an analytical culture now, and I'm talking about 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 around the world that we only we only have an emphasis on you know learning on academia, what we can achieve. In, in in university and and in our careers, which is very analytical, as opposed to um, just letting our life, you know, 
have it have it, have it, have its way, and also aligning with things like fun. You know, <laughs> you got to remember, Uwe is very playful because you are just letting life happen, and you you're you're in a you're in a sort of not in a very analytical state. You're more in a holistic state where you can have fun. Your mind's very at ease, um, and you're not stuck or, or rigid about the way life should be. So. You know, ironically, we live in a world that's kind of losing this sense of play, um, which which children have, um, but adults start to starts to diminish because we we start to overemphasize for the analytical mind, the prefrontal cortex, which develops the ego, and in doing so, we we begin to lose this effortless state um, because it's effortful. So, you know, we. The, the irony is, T, we always have access to it because it's, it's a part of our human cognition, but it's just the part of our human cognition that we're trying to suppress because we're so headstrong on achievement and ambition and being somebody and also in, in, and, and because we're in fear of the world, that's why it's, it's beginning to be um, suppressed. Yeah, and I think about a lot of things that our people are talking about in order to get back to themselves and find that inner peace that everyone's looking for, lead them to things like this, which is probably why it is making a reappearance, if I can say that, uh, today in the world and being taught now. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm just thinking about that because I, I know people, a lot of people, for instance, yoga, you know, there's over the past probably decade, 14 years, 15 years, I've seen more and more people come to yoga classes because of the benefits from it. And that is non-doing. And that is even undoing, yes. if you will. You know, um, you're undoing so that you can be non-doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes right. sense to me. It's right. It's, yeah, of course it does. And, and that's, I think we spoke about that on our last show too. We spoke about, you know, uh, I think so. you know, everyone going to, everyone going to the yoga classes and that now because they're undoing themselves, um, you know, through non-doing. <laughs> and, and a lot of people will think, well, how is that? And it's like, well, you know, like what you alluded to before, you know, when people think of non-doing, you also have to think of that um, it's effortless action as well. So you can still be doing things, but you've kind of loosened your psychological state. So you're doing things very effortlessly. Like, and yoga is a good example of that where you'll put the body into a, um, a state where it, or, or a posture where it's not accustomed to. Um, but after doing that for, for extended periods of time, you get into this very um, effortless state of mind um, and you have this kind of sense of well-being and peace and that after that. And also we see that with Tai Chi as well, people practicing Tai Chi. Um, mm. So, you know, um, you are, in a sense, it looks like you're doing something, but that is kind of undoing you to, 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 in a sense, be um, in this effortless um, psychological state. So, you know, as you, your point was um, about getting to these peaceful states, you know, I think that, you know, people are, are yearning for that more and more, especially because of the speed and the intensity of, of the world now that people are starting to think that, oh, geez, I think I've, I've sold a part of myself to, to be this person that I don't really think I, I am like are, are we really this analytical calculator or is there much more to us than just this prefrontal cortex that we've 
we've sold the whole the whole lot on and and we think that that's it so you know from a cognitive standpoint which i haven't mentioned yet but um we have two two cognitive functions actually in our brain we have the cold cognition and the hot cognition and the cold cognition is that sense of the ego in the in the in the prefrontal cortex which is the cognitive control functions you know which is the intellectual analytical part of us that builds the ego that tries to discern between this and that what's good for me you know me 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 when you have the hot cognition which is um, the natural part of us which you know you can open and close your hand without having to think about it you know it you just you can just do it you can't explain why you do it but this is just right. it's it's effortless you you're doing you're doing this and this is Opening and closing your hands is a good example of the mind of someone who's who's absorbed a new way. You know, they don't have to think about what they're doing. They don't have to be analytical about what they're doing. They just live their life a certain way in a certain um, state of consciousness, which is very effortless. And and they can be doing anything, but it does to them. It doesn't feel like effort. It just feels like they're in some sort of uh, flow or in the zone as we use for athletes or, or, or writers or, or anyone who does a craft like a musician, um, they, they have this about themselves. And there's, a, and there's a peace and a tranquility in that because you're not overthinking, you're not overanalyzing and you're not using the, the overusing the prefrontal cortex, which is <clears throat> a skill that people that use crafts, uh, that have a craft, have mastered. You know, maybe they don't knowingly know that they've done that, but the, but the science suggests that, so. Well, and that's important for people to know because so many people will say, well, what's the science behind it? I'm usually one of those people. I, you know, I analyze everything to death. But there is so much cognitive science to this. And when you read the book, it truly makes sense. Everything, everything just makes sense the way that it's written so that you can understand a little bit better how to live your life in a way with more awareness and undo so that you can non-do so that you can actually receive and do. <laughs> and, and it's not even the yeah. doing part. It's almost like just receiving and, and giving back in a way. So I, I'm glad you brought up the cognitive mm. part because I wanted to do that. One other thing in your book that I found interesting, uh, the chapter on uh, synchronicity, fate or chance. Why don't you tell us about that? That was interesting. <laughs> well, in in – as we've talked about, T, like there's a big focus on trust in, in, in Taoist thought and the practice of Wu Wei. And so one of the core components of, obviously, if, you, if you're going to practice Wu Wei or, or you're going to be interested in Taoism is, is, um, is fate. You know, they don't really, ha they, um, if you practice Wu Wei, you don't, you're not at odds um, with fate. You, you actually have a sense that because you trust life, Everything is fate, as opposed to you could say causality. You know, everything. You know, um, um, what, what, what should I say? Um, there is sort of you know everything is blind force in the universe. You know, nothing has a meaning. Mm. Um, everything is <clears throat> everything is just just happening um, because it's happening, and and you're not a part of that, um, and so forth and so on. You know, which is a whole another story about you know. Um, people not believing that they're part of nature, which, which we don't have to go into. But um, the fate part of, of Uwe is that, yeah, you, you, because you start to trust life, you start to see that, you know, things are happening actually for you. You know, matter, no matter whether, they, whether you interpret them as good or bad, they're happening for you. 
and they're almost and almost syn- well they are synchronistic from from the Taoist mm-hmm. perspective. It's it's a synchro- It's there's this kind of this synchronistic pull that's pulling you through the world, whether you're conscious of it or whether you want to just pass it off as coincidence. And you know, Carl Jung kind of had a beautiful way of explaining this because when he he wrote a lot on on Taoism and and also Wu Wei that people don't know, but he did write a lot on that. And he said that, you know, synchronicity is kind of like the uh, the unconscious, the unconscious, and fate um, in conspiracy against you as as the ego. You know, so um, life is trying to tear your tear your ego down, and the deeper part of yourself is in sync with that life, and that's why you have this kind of sense of synchronicity. And and you know, I talk about in the book a lot about. Um, yeah, obviously a lot about synchronicity, but a, a lot about you know the origins of synchronicity. Why, why you know from a Taoist perspective, why it's happening. So their idea is that the you know there's an idea in the East, not just in, in Taoism, of this kind of um, they you know they use they might use like a zero perspective, which which a lot of people probably don't resonate with because they use the word zero. But this this mm-hmm. part of ourselves when we still when we still our mind so completely that we have this sense of connection with the whole universe, this sense of oneness with the whole universe, um, which can lead to bliss and, you know, other, other, um, states. Um, but the irony is, is that in the, in the East, they have cult, they have like differences. So for example, in India, in, in one of, um, the ancient traditions of Hinduism called Vedanta, they have a focus of just trying to reside in this state, you know, so just trying to reside in this very, um, this mind that is not moving and to stay, they call it as the Atman, the undifferentiated consciousness. And but when you look over at Taoism, Taoism, as, as I explained in the book, Wu Wei is about kind of moving with life, um, um, with this natural, this natural flow. Um, but your mind is also in the in the zero perspective as well. So, you know, I I talk about in the book that the origin of synchronicity is not that you go for one over the over the other. Like, so for example, you don't try to just be effortless um the the irony is is that there's kind of a mutual arising within us where the still mind and the movement of the universe are actually and and the the synchronistic pull of of the universe are are actually all um in cahoots you could say they you know they're in they're in <laughs> together they're not separate and they're not they're not um different things that we can practice. So, you know, I'm just going to still my mind and be like a Buddha forever and just sit here like a stone Buddha. That's not really the way it is. You know, your Mm -hmm. mind becomes like, like the Buddha, but you're still moving with life and you, and because you're in that state and you are moving in life, you begin to, to sense the synchronicities and you begin to sense, um, fate in our life. It doesn't mean everything, you know, what I don't like with some of the new age movement is they take synchronicity and they take fate and they, they amplify it too much. Like they'll say um, that to, to the point that they think everything is about them, you know? So I don't want to mm-hmm. go to that. Say you, you know, because you have, because you'll sense it that, wow, that was very synchronistic or that seems like fate. You know, not everything is going to be for you, but there are going to be those moments that you'll notice that, wow, that was that was definitely for me. You know, um, yeah. 
And and I think everybody can go back and look, you know, at their life and find significant times when, wow, that was really meant to be synchronistic. It was fate. Mm. We know we can pick those times out. And I think everybody has an example of that somewhere. But again, it's just a matter of thinking back and seeing it so that sometimes it's helpful to see it happen historically so that you know, oh, it's happened before. Of course it will happen again. And that, too, raises the awareness and allows you to be in that state of non-doing and of acceptance, of expectation without expecting because there is a difference, you know. So I think that, yeah, I think that I, I love the, uh, the explanation of synchronicity, uh, fate versus um, chance. Because it's just that too made a lot of sense, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, this is explained really well. And I can't believe we're almost at the top of the hour, Jason, but your book, it's so (laughs) filled with so much information, another book filled with so much information. And before you go, I would love it if you would tell our listeners how they can learn more about you, your work, and where they may purchase your book, Effortless Living. Well, you can find all my work at my website, jasongregory.org. And I'm on um, all of the social media networks and I have a show on YouTube called Enlightenment Today where I talk about a, a lot of these topics um, you know, uh, at length. That's great. It really is because, I mean, they do need to be discussed at length because people, you know, you need to hear things sometimes more than once in order to truly get it. And that too is a practice. So, you know, <laughs> I think that's important. I, well, well, I so much appreciate you. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say to you just that, to, yeah, like it's, it's difficult to, I mean, you and I, we have such a great conversation, but it is difficult to cover all the topics in the book. Um, mm. So yeah, hopefully people can grab themselves a copy. Yes. And, you know, and it would make a great gift, too. I mean, read it with, with people. Do a kind of a book club thing on it because there is so much. It's a plethora of information. There's so much in there. So grab it, read it, read it again, because every time you read a book, you find something new. I've read books like three times and thought, did these words change? I do not remember this being in there the last time. You get what you get when you need to get it. And in these types of books you need to reread them to, to truly get the understanding. And sometimes if you're in a situation with a group of people, somebody will get one thing, somebody will get another, and, and that happens all the time. And you can talk about it and then say, oh, I didn't really understand that. Okay. And go back and, you know, it's a fun way to read a book, uh, especially a book like this mm. where there's so much information. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's really great. So, okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. 
Please check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. We're run solely by volunteers, so there are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. And you can learn about our fundraising campaigns. And we appreciate it if you'd go to SojiHuggles.org and check it out. At Soji Huggles, we're investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. Don't forget to follow me on both Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. When I remember how I'm blessed, grateful, Within a city of strangers, I got a
Let's get